to another Across the Airwaves Smallville Retro Review episode. Wait, whoa, whoa, this is Across the Airwaves. No, shut up. <laughs> this is my podcast. It's all yes. mine. Okay. Wait, this is Retro Reviews, right? Yes, it's, okay. it is. Um, it's a special episode of Retro Reviews. A very historic episode of, spe- of Special Retro Reviews. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. The, so ten- Yes, we shall. Days robot. Okay. Days robot. You don't get our jokes. Don't even try. Okay. Um. Yeah. Tonight's episode, we're promising you something that we've been promising you since our first episode. But <laughs> but our the guy we were trying to get on the show was kind of being a loser, and every time we almost had it, he pulled away in fear of what he might become. By getting on this podcast, so I know, right? Okay. Well, okay. So tonight we're covering the Stephen S. Knight written and directed Smallville episode, season six, episode eleven, Justice. Yes. But before we go any further, I am your host Michael J. Petty, and with me is my co-host. Yeah, who can't say his middle name and won't tell me what it is. Sexy. All right. All right. Well, we can go with that. And He's sexy and he knows it. And he knows it. Do, do, do. Okay. Yeah, um, right. yeah. Uh, and on the other side of the room, someone who I frequently bash on the show, someone who basically controls my paycheck and can give me a pink slip whenever he wants to, right. the creator, the host, the producer of Across the Airwaves, Mr. Daniel Dan Schmidt. Okay, everybody. Come on a different show. Complete friends. Frequently bash. It's exciting. Hey. <laughs> it's true. Frequently bash. Yeah, I could give you a pink slip. Pink slip there too. Woo. Well, I'm just saying, frequently bash. You bash if you like. Come be fun. Yes, I know he does. <laughs> and that's not mentioning what he does to my like co-host too. Shh. Probably. I have a bit of Muppet's Yay! Yay! Okay. Apparently, I was told this my the cleaners of mine at Best Buy, if you pre-order the Muppet's movie on DVD slash Blu-ray, whichever you choose, physical version, if you pre-order before um, March the 20th, I think the last day to pre-order is March the 19th, you'll 
you can pre-order a steel case, carrying case, limited edition for the Muppets movie at Best Buy. And would you pre-order that? The, it costs like seven, eight bucks. That will come off of your purchase of the actual movie. Oh, that so rocks! Awesome. That I might have to get that. That's uh, worth it. That's yeah. definitely worth it. That's really kind of professional on their part. Yeah, and I'm and I'm glad that it's um it's going to um like the last day to pre-order is the 19th, which once again the movie comes out on the 20th on DVD and Blu-ray. So and you can do it online too. Is it on Amazon? Cool. Best Buy. Best okay. Best Buy. Best okay, buy. you said that. That's right. Okay. And you can do it for like online. You can order it online and then have it to set up for for in-store pickup if you rather prefer to do that. Okay, nice. that makes sense. All right, yeah. that's cool. Um, yeah, actually, before we uh, get into the episode, we have a little bit of uh, across the airwaves slash Smallville slash retro reviews slash pretty much everything news right now. Um, about a week and a half ago. Because of my Twitter connections, I talked to a man by the name of Brian Q. Miller, who is a writer on Smallville, the writer of the Batgirl comic before the New 52, and the writer of the future Smallville Season 11 comic series. Also Teen Titans, right? Yes, that's right. He did Teen Titans for a little bit, too. Um, Yeah, I was in communication with him, and because of Season 11 coming next month... I asked about a potential interview with him. He said he would be glad to do it, and we're working on getting that done. Yes. And that'll be like an ATA uh, Smallville Retro Reviews crossover crossover event. Yes, Dan and I will be interviewing Brian, and, well, hopefully soon. Yes. We'll be asking him about his time on Smallville, his time writing Season 11, and his Batgirl run as well. So, Exactly. And Wu and Nico will be sprinkling questions in for that event. So. Yeah, by the way, Wu, you need to record yourself saying the questions you want to ask because I'm just going to edit that in. Okay, so, okay. I'll write them down and I'll send you the audio. Okay, cool. Because that's what I told Nico to do as well, so that works. Because yeah. you sent me the questions you got. You guys are going to tell them, I want to look over those so I don't ask the same question twice. Okay. <laughs> Interviewers do that. Yeah, I do too, so that makes perfect sense. That's why we're signing them to you. Yeah. So, See, yeah. We have a system here. We have a system that works, guys. Yeah. It doesn't work all the time, but it works. Yes. Yeah, well, this podcast is a uh, equivalent of why it doesn't work all the time. What, what system does this podcast have? Is- I didn't think there was one. Um, you don't need to worry about it. <laughs> Probably oh, well, wow. Um, should we play Stockwell's House of Bell for, for justice? And what I mean by that is our mentors, our inspiration, Derek Russell, he actually did an interview a couple years back for Shield. He interviewed Stephen tonight, so if you have any like behind the scenes questions you wanna know, he actually interviewed Stephen tonight a couple years ago for this episode. Yeah, and if you want to check that out guys, you can go to smallvillepodcast.com or you could go to iTunes and search in Starkville's House of L and that interview should be up there still. I heard they're gonna take the site down soon and I don't know when that's happening. But oh, but for now that's you depressing. can yeah, I know. 
but for now you can still look for it. So that'd be cool if you guys yeah, want to do that. Hurry so. up and get on that and download as many of those episodes it's as you can. actually very insightful. I mean, Derek, there's actually a lot of like little tidbits of what Stephen and I wanted to do, which we'll get into. There's a lot of stuff you wanted to do, but for budget and time, there just wasn't enough. Right. Wasn't that a room? Stupid CW. Darn that CW. So, yeah, this episode is also going to be a little different, guys. Instead of, like, going through scene by scene, we're kind of going to nitpick at the episode. Oh, we're just, so we're just going to devour it. Well, it's retro views. I mean, if you, I mean, if you haven't seen the episode, like we said many, many times on this show before, you shouldn't be listening to us. Turn it off. Yeah, exactly. Like listening to a commentary before you've actually seen the actual episode or the actual movie. Who does that? So uh, I kind of did, actually, to be honest. So get those DVDs and download this stuff off of iTunes. With I mean, it's everywhere. It's on iTunes, Zune Marketplace for Xbox 360 and Zune and Windows Phone. It's on PlayStation Network, Amazon Unbox. It's everywhere. It's like the Leviathan. And it should be coming soon to Netflix, hopefully. Yes. Which I don't know why, because they've got supernatural but no small though. It it really doesn't make sense, but oh well. Um, okay, so where do you two wanna start with this episode? Well, I, I think you should tell a story about this well, episode. Because well, that's kind wait, of the before we, get, okay. before we get into that we have, I actually have two down. like something yeah, else. Be if you if, if, well, if you watch Twitter, Jeff Johnson Said he flew down or flew up to Vancouver. They just shot the pilot for Arrow. Yes. Ooh. Which is our highly anticipated show here. Yes. Thank you. I almost forgot the word. Um. Yeah. With my wife, Katie Cassidy. Well, you know who's going to be at Chicago Comic Con? Who? Laura Vandervoort. Ah, you'll be in first. You'll be. First in line for that, and if you and if you don't need Laura Vanderbilt, you'll stab somebody in the eye, won't you? That's not. You know what? I will be there, and you're going to be there too. I, I'm not sure if I can or not. <sighs> you have oh, to. No. I know. I know. Peer pressure. There is so much peer pressure on you right now. It's unbelievable. Yeah, Michael's going to come and stab you in the eye. <laughs> you know. You'll probably run into Humrick. Well, yeah, that's possible. Yeah. That. True. Well, I'm going to score a little something-something with Laura Vanderbilt, so just saying. And, and the other bit of comics news is, I don't know if you guys, either one of you guys are Assassin's Creed fans. I am. But, um, have you been to GameStop recently? Because they just released the limited edition, edition special hard case for Assassin's Creed 3. Nice. Very nice. Yeah, I don't really... Yeah, no, my on. point is, um, <laughs> Kingdom Come artist, Alex, the great Alex Ross. Okay, now I'm interested. Well, through that, yes. through that, and he very, and it very much looks like his work, very painterly. Alex very Ross, cool. if you don't know, he, um, is probably the greatest modern comic book artist we have right now. Drew, Drew Kingdom Come, which was, um, Mark, Mark Wade, right? Work. Yes, true. You're right. And then he did those really cool, um, like I don't, I don't want to call them graphic novels, but he did a bunch of books like based on Batman and Justice League and whatnot. Yeah, they were really I, cool. I, I think 
my favorite thing of his was the iconic thing after 9-11, he drew of Superman. Yes. Yeah. You had that as your uh, Twitter thing for a while, Avatar. Well, one, of, one of my many pictures, yes. I'll probably put it up for Memorial Day coming up. Very nice. True. Um, but yeah, now that we're done with our little newsy section. Newsy. 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 Um, Do you see Sufikos? No, no, no. Okay. Um, he, that's video. This is audio, and this is what you're used okay. to. Come on, you need to, you know, you know, you need to branch to out, out right from across airwaves. Okay. Because yes, we're a part of across airwaves, but we're the dark corner. You just need to branch out to the far reaches of the black sheep. Yes. So Come that, on, that, Penny. We, we're gonna do a Star Wars land party like they did on Big Bang Theory. Nice. Yes. Nice. That a reference. We sh we should. So we're like so. So you guys are like the beyond section at Bed Bath and Beyond. Yes. Like ATA is Bed and Bath. That's and right. You guys are beyond. Uh, yes. Okay. Oh yes, we we totally sound like heterosexual family men now. You know it, right? Um, and it sounded like a two and a half <laughs> men theme song you were going for there. Men. <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh. Woo. Yes. What we're gonna do now. Is I want you to share your experience watching this episode the first time, then Dan will, and then I will. Well, your story is the birth of Retro Reviews, technically. Well, which is why you it's for the, the last. Story, sir. You have the better story. No, no, no. That's why it's for last. Okay, all right. Oh, okay. Just flatter. Just humor me. Humor me. Okay. You go first. Shoot out, Will. Um, first time I ever saw this episode, I was doing a rewatch or just a first watch because... Season 7 was going to start, and I wanted to, like, pretty much I did what I did with Supernatural, watch, like, the entire run of Smallville within, like, four months, which which is still very impressive to me. Yeah, well, it's that good of a show. Well, you know, James Hansen did it in three months, and he had eight seasons. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, again, he probably bought all the seasons. I rented them from my library at the time. I don't know if he did or not. I'll have to ask him about that. Yeah, we'll have to ask him about that. But anyway, um, I heard about this episode because if there's one episode that has gotten more press at that point anyway in Smallville's yeah. history, it was Justice. Correct. I mean, Christopher Reeve did get a lot of press, but not press like wall-to-wall, -wall, like, you know, behind-the-scenes photos. Right. And I have to say, I really enjoyed it. At the time, it was the standout of season six, which we talked about on our season six overview. Yep. I mean, I wasn't like, oh my god, blown away. I was just smiling the whole time, just giggling and laughing, just because it's the beginning of the JLA. Yeah. Yeah, it is a great episode. And at the time, the beginning of something much bigger for the show as well. Yes, yes. Just ironic to me how much how many how many things started around Justice Time because she was also like really getting like getting going as well. Yeah. Alright. Dan's up. Dan's yeah. up. Well my experience I watched Smallville since the beginning. So I, I had my big fired up episode that everyone built up for when Nuts Over was reckoning. For me, this was the second big one. Um, I was very excited about Green Arrow. 
coming to the show. I was more excited after he discovered how great Justin Hartley was as the Green Arrow. This was the culmination of his story arc. So I was pretty pumped to see how that goes. I wanted to see Justice League action. I was a big fan of the animated series, which was going on at the time. So I was like, okay, cool, live action Justice League. This is pretty exciting. Uh, I loved the episode. thought they could have done a lot more. was very kind of disappointed with the CW that they didn't give them those two hours that they wanted. But I was satisfied. And um, this is probably one my brother and I talk about enjoying the most when we watch Smallville. We were hyped up for this and had a big night. Um, my brother's about seven years younger than I am. So he was, you know. He's my age. Yeah, he's into playing. You know, I remember for like a week or so afterwards, every time he went outside wearing his hoodie, he had to put on sunglasses to pull off the whole Justice League look. So that was a fun little moment for me when I think back on this episode. And then there was one other part after it came out. I was really excited. I wanted to show everybody the episode because I was just like, this is live action Justice League. This is awesome. This is the best we're going to get. Lo and behold, we had Absolute Justice come down the road, which topped this episode. Oh, oh. Somewhat. You, okay, he's, I, I he's gone. He's I off. He's not allowed to be on the show anymore. So. I vouched for Legion just because of, Legion was more about Superman more than DC, you know? Yeah. Well, this is about, I mean, Smallville is not about DC. Smallville is right. about Clark and, to a lesser extent, Lex. So that's why I say, out of all like, these special episodes they've done, I like Legion the best and Bruce. Yeah. yeah. Absolute Justice, or actually Society and Legends, wasn't really about Clark. Right. Let's and, be honest. And, oh, yeah. And, and I believe me, I have my favorite Clark episodes. And Justice is an episode I really like of Small. It's not my favorite. That's where we differ, sir. Well, this was the first. I mean, before we get into yours, Penny, I have to say, we were disappointed in the CW, but at the same time, we have to remember CW was only like a couple months old at this point. Right. They didn't, and they cut the budget for season six. I think we mentioned that in our season six podcast, Penny. Yeah, I believe right. we do. I think you're yeah. right. Because I, they cut, that's one of the reasons why this was kind of like, Stephen and I was disappointed because they cut their budget. Right. And I, and I just think that they should have done more for Smallville, especially at this point in time, because it was a huge flagship show yes. for the network, regardless if it was in its infancy or not, they needed to do a lot more for it. But again, I'm getting away. I'm taking your thunder here, Michael. Oh, no. From what you wanted to say. Oh, he's bashed you enough. Yeah, I know. I can take his thunder, like, right. a couple more times during this episode. What? And, and the other thing is with Justice, I went into it, I'm just going to have fun with this thing. You know, there's some episodes of Smallville that I was really critical of for Clark's story where he was going, like Reckoning, like the finale. Um, like Doomsday, which didn't work out as well as I wanted it to, but you know, this one was not. I didn't take this as about Clark's journey, it was just more about seeing the superheroes together in live action. And, and, and when you agree, guys, I mean, this is the best episode, standalone episode of Smallville ever. Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I mean, sure, we do. I mean. Not to get into the episode review yet, but we did hear like some mentions of 
then later on in season six as well. Yeah, which is funny. We hear about these super soldiers, but we don't even see one until like the very end of the season. Yeah. Well, you see it in Justice and Doom as well, which we'll talk about after we talk about the episode. But yeah, they could get away with more. And, and just so everyone knows what Justice and Doom is, because I forgot what it was until you reminded me. Yeah, I forgot what it was too. I thought he was referring to something else. It was an online comic that was running on the CW's website while Smallville Season 6 was airing. Now, basically, what it was showing was what all the other Justice League leaguers were doing while Clark's story was continuing during the second half of Season 6. And it builds up to the episode where Wes... What's his last name? Keenan. Wes Keenan is revealed as the big super soldier character. And that's the setup for the um, season finale when Bizarro comes. Yep. And what what was yeah, the name of the episode I, that Wes is in? Prototype. 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 Yes. Mole. 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 That's a fun episode. That's, yeah, that's, a, that's an inside joke. And it's it's funny a shoe joke. Chloe actually mentions in um, the episode. Um, Prototype about what we see in Justice and Doom, the last episode of Justice and Doom with the mini nuke line. Yep. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I thought we lost you for a second. I'm like, oh no. no. We didn't. Just oh, I'm just letting you guys talk. I can't believe you guys forgot something. What you're going to say? I didn't. I was that. just waiting for Petty because we hadn't heard his story. Oh, oh, right. But should we let him tell the story, Will? Well, he's... Well, the listeners have heard this tremendous story over the 20-plus episodes. It's like the Lord of the Rings for this podcast. I think we should. Thank you, Will. At least someone here is on my side. The Lord of the Rings. Oh, I just want you to say it so we can get it over with. That, I've never heard it described as that. I like that. It's funny. Yes. You know, I can fire you both. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> well, I can fire Woo. Um... <laughs> yeah, uh, my story, uh, again, as you've heard portions of it before, it's uh, it's a little lengthy, but I'll dumb it down for you guys. Uh, dumb it down? Do you think our listeners are stupid, Michael? Uh, you, know what? you know what? I'm, I'm continuing. So I was over at Dan's house, where I am now, because I'm kind of a slave. Many years ago. Yeah, this was many years ago, 2007, and I, I was here with uh, his brother, and he uh, told me to come in to his room and see something. I said, okay, so I came in, or we both came in, and first he made us sit down and watch the Justice League Unlimited episode. He made us watch the premiere of Justice League Unlimited, which featured Green Arrow, because I was not familiar very much with the character until then. Yes, that was a good setup for Green Arrow. Yeah. And um, what happened afterwards is he said, now wait just a minute, we're going to watch this. And he puts in Smallville Justice. And I was just like hooked. 
right there. I saw Cyborg, who I recognized from Teen Titans. I saw The Flash, who I recognized from Justice League, who I guess went by impulse in this, but it's really Barry Allen. Um, I saw Aquaman. Yeah, later. yeah, I saw Aquaman, who I recognized from Super Friends. And then I saw Green Arrow, who I recognized from the Justice League episode I just watched. And then I saw Superman. And the thing is, I never really enjoyed Superman as a character very much, because I, like most absent-minded comic book fans, I thought he was too powerful, and I thought that the character was lame because he was unbeatable and all that. I obviously did not read Death of Superman. But if I could, if I could slap every every time I hear somebody say that, like these like these doofs at like comic book stores, I would I would stun them each one each time they said that. I, I absolutely And then hand them a DVD box set of Smallville. Yeah. There you go. Good Look at this. But uh, yeah, <laughs> so we watched it, and it was the first time I ever really appreciated Superman as a character. And saw that even he had flaws and weaknesses and stuff. And even he needed to be saved. I also loved Lex Luthor a lot more. <laughs> Frozen but, bomb. But yeah, after after uh, watching that episode all the way through, like when it came to the explosion and they're walking out, I, my, my jaw was on the floor. And I just kept researching the show after that. And I had picked it up around season eight. is when I started watching it live. And I'd watched all the box sets up to then. And I just got hooked. So, and that's kind of how this podcast section began, really. Well, you know, with this episode coming up, we had never really seen live-action Justice League before. No. Right. I mean, there's that rumored thing you can watch on YouTube, which was an attempted pilot of the Justice League show that they did back in the early 90s. Or you can buy bootleg copies. And I, I wouldn't recommend watching that because you want to scourge your eyes out seeing that compared to Justice. Uh, but that was what was exciting about Justice. We've never got, you know, we've never gotten to see the superheroes live action in all their glory like that before. So that was really neat. And also, this is the first episode I thought where we really got to see Lex take the gloves off and be really evil. And, and to your point, but we have to be fair to the writers too, because I mean, in a in an animated series or in a comic book. To right. do interventions or to do a G, GSA, it's kind of easy to do. Live action is very hard to yes. do. When you have that many characters and each one has to be serviced. I that, agree. That's why they kept it. I think that's why why Brian Kelly and Alan Miles and whoever kept it down to only a couple of guest stars from the JLA. Just because it's too hard to write eight characters live action. Well, and you also have to, the trick is... You have to fit it within the continuity of the show and fit it within the context with everything else that's going on. Which is a pain in the butt to do. Right, because you, you had to hook in, you had to hook Chloe's story, you had to hook in Oliver and Lois, you had to do Lionel and Lex, what they had going on. So it was really tricky, like, you know, trying to connect everybody to the story. Which is why I think Lana's not even in the episode. That's one of the other reasons, too. Right. It's a, it's a good it thing. It would have been too much. And Jimmy, too. Like, it would have been too much to have him in yeah, there anyway. They're not integral. Cut them out. Which I thought about with Lewis and Absolute Justice, but Jeff Johns, um, he can do no wrong in that area, though. Well, right. And Zod well, wasn't in Absolute Justice, either. Yeah. That wouldn't have worked. No. Well, yeah, because Lois is in what? She's in, she's in part two, but not part one. Yes. The problem Same is, with Tess. The problem is Lois is such a, was such a vital 
character at that point that she almost needed to be there. And you needed her in justice just to break Oliver and Lois up. Right, because that was the last episode Oliver was on, so you had to re resolve that issue because Justin Hartley wasn't going to be back. Until next season. Well, they didn't even know that at the time, I don't think. True. Well, and I hate it when, they, when characters out and out say, I'm not coming back, I might not be back for a long while. Because that's, that's like the biggest, like, that is like the easiest, like, cheapest way to say, I'll, I'll be gone, but I may be back. I'll be back next year. Which they did with Lana several times, but we'll get into that in a future episode. Yeah. Yeah, we're not talking Lana at all. She wasn't in the episode, so we're not going to bring it up. So, when do you guys want to start with this? you want to start with the 33.1 angle, or do you want to start with it just with the heroes coming together? Because I, I did want to mention, we've seen, and I think this is something that Disney ripped off of with, with the Avengers, we've seen these heroes in previous episodes, seasons past. Right. Well, I think that was a good move on Smallville's part because it gave them less work. They had to do to fit them within the continuity in this episode. And they've done that in the comics several times in the past. Where yes. Like heroes in the Silver Age, more so in the Silver Age and Bronze Age, would cross-pollinate with, within comic books. And we saw it in the Superman animated series. Yeah. Well, right. Absolutely. And they, you know, with Smaller, they do a really nice job. And this kind of goes into Legion of Doom a little, Legion and Doom a little bit. Meanwhile? Yeah, I know. I think that too. And it didn't help. I just watched Justice League Doom today. But. I need to see that. Oh, it's awesome. You need to see it. But anyway, it's really nice how they laced uh, everything together with this Justice League storyline. They did a really good job of keeping up all the continuity with everything. You know, throwing in the 33.1. Bringing Catherine. Yeah, bringing back all the Justice League stuff. You know, do, giving a lots of nods back to Rudd. You know, remembering that Chloe and, uh, Chloe and, well, uh, I would say. Bart. Bart. Barry. Barry, Bart, there's too many flashes sometimes. But when Bart and Chloe kind of had that little flirtation going on, it was good that they remembered all that stuff. I love the fact that they changed, even though it was more for not con, more for not continuity. But I hated um Kyle, 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 whatever his last name and his hair from Ron. I hated it. it. Looked like Bart Simpson. He yeah. needed that hair in this episode. I hated it though. Whatever. He's Barry Allen. Just deal with it. Well, that he okay. just came off of. Um, I even like the continuity thing of. When Bart's running the red and yellow streak. Yep. That was very cool. You can almost see it as like a lightning bolt, too. Yep. Yeah. Well, when you, Michael, you made an interesting observation about that. What you thought the, the him running around was. Where they got the CGI for that. Oh, yeah. When he was in the, uh, when he was trapped by Lax in the container, the CGI of him running around in circles, it looks... If you look at it really closely, it looks like uh, the CGI flash you see in the Justice League animated series opening. Yes, I mean, but it, I mean it's I mean, amped up a little bit, but it looks—that's what it looks like. Even if it's not, you know, it's not hard to do like a street right. like that. Right. Right. Absolutely. And I also think oh. this is the first episode where they did that overhead shot of Clark running throughout the city. 
when he chases around Flash. I think they used that in Lexmas, though. Did they use that in Lexmas? I think they, yes, they did. They used that in Lexmas. Yep. Sad that I remember all this stuff. No, it's it's true. You're right. That was the, no, that wasn't the same season. That was the season. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I did like they brought back the whole catch me if you can thing from Run. Yeah. I did like, yeah. I did like that. I loved Oliver and or um AC mentioning that he dated Lois for a day, which they bring back again in season ten. Yeah, which yeah. was funny. Yeah, Lois has slept around with like every Justice League member there is. Well, I think they mentioned that on Shoe, like whenever yeah. a new guy comes up new guy comes on, Lois is immediately attracted to him. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, even the guy who killed Alicia in season four. Yeah, I mean, those Justice League Christmas parties must be brutal for Clark. Brutal for Clark. What about Carter? Oh, my wife died. <laughs> but now he's dead. That's funny. They'll be back, both of them. They'll be back, and then she'll die. She'll die again, and then hook hook up with John Stewart. Oh no, no. I hate it, man. It's just a Okay, I see yeah. I like the plot line, it was cool, but I was like, comic wise, I would hate that. Yeah. I hated it in the comics where Hawkgirl hooked up with Roy Harper, but that, that's just wrong. It that's was wrong. By the way, Dan, you were wrong when we were watching the episode. You said the song that was playing during Oliver and Moses' breakup scene was a was a uh, Coldplay song. I said it was Five for Fighting. Or no, you said it was Five for Fighting. Yeah, anyway, you were still wrong. The song is High and Low by Greg Laswell. That is a oh. good song, by the way. So there you go. It sounds like it. And I just wanted to mention this before we, before we forget. How ironic is the whole thing with Chloe and Oliver? Mr. Queen, it's me, Chloe. Yeah. yeah, that's what Dan was saying the entire time we were watching I, the episode. I described it as it's like, you, like you, Clark is like your your best friend that has a younger sister that you think's like a little kid, and then all of a sudden she becomes really hot. It's and, almost kind of like Anakin and Padme with it too. Yeah, but it, it is. It's like he didn't really notice her, and then thought that she's old enough. He does. Too. It's like I'm not attracted to you, but man, is there something there or what? Yeah. yeah. And I love I love how Chloe makes the line to Arthur and uh, Victor that after they talk. Line. But you're great at being caught by the villain. Yes. Yeah, so good. Yeah, that was so good. Was so good. Well, they, they, I know, right? Well, just you know. This was a, such a right moment because it was it was filled with tons of great one-liners between all the hero characters, and they and giving Chloe one because she is probably the queen of one-liners when it comes to the show. That was perfect, just giving her a line in there too, and it also gave us this idea that hmm, maybe Chloe's not super powered, but maybe she can keep up with these heroes and be valuable to them. You know, we realize that she's more than just Clark's friend from high school. Yes. Yeah. She I, I have to mention this too. One of the things about Clark, I'm so, and we're kind of mentioning Lana again. I'm so glad they just had the one little line about Lana and then they just didn't mention it. Because really, this episode saved season six for me. And yes. started what Michael and I called the Arc of Awesome. Yes, the Arc of Awesome. Yeah. 
And yep. she wasn't in any of those episodes, right? That was a part of the arc of awesome. Well, she was. Well, she was for, for, for like only like one scene. And yeah. I think we will do like a timeline of Lana and why it's stinked between Petty and I because really there, there's so much to be said about that. We'll do that after our Superman Returns commentary. Yeah. Which, and you then, love that movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. you had a whole bunch of great episodes and then you had Noir. Yes. Which, not a bad episode visually, just dialogue was just horrible. Yeah. But again, we're talking justice, guys, so come on. Yes. Come on, stay on the cast. Okay. But okay. really, yeah, I would say justice, looking back at season six, saved it. From just yeah. all the lame Lex and Lana and uh, stuff like that. And also, justice was the first episode where I realized, maybe we don't necessarily need Lana on the show. This is kind of the beginning of that for mm, me. Not anymore. You thought it before that? You I thought I we was, needed her? I, we didn't I, need I did. The After graduation, we didn't need no, her no, no, anymore. No, no. We didn't need the Klana. Not just the Lana, the Klana. Yeah. Yeah. Lana I, by herself is pretty okay. She's decent. But Lana and Clark, no. No. Not after high school. Not after high school. I, I was. I was rooted for it all the way up until she got with Lex. Oh. Because I knew they'd break up. I'd be like, you know, I knew they were going to break up. I didn't want her to die because that kind of went off continuity. I did. But... To me. <laughs> but again, you, you guys watched it differently than I did. I was watching it week after week. That's true. From the beginning. You guys watched it in a big, like, avalanche. See, I didn't hate it. I just... I just said there's so many other avenues that we could be going there. I oh, mean, I agree. Going back to season six, that if Jimmy never showed up, I thought Chloe and Clark, why not give it a why not give it a shot? Well, after reckoning, I was done with Flop. Period. Uh, are you talking Chloe and Clark? Yes. We, I, yes. Season six. That's what I was saying. Yes. But I think it would have ruined. Chloe's character, if she had to break up with them. I think their breakup would have hurt their characters. Craig would want to. It's the only thing. And you're like, and Chloe's like, man, everybody breaks up with me to be with my cousin. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Except for Oliver, he broke up with Lois. Yeah, to Chloe. True, true. Yeah, I know. Chloe's been married more than anyone on the show. Oh, no, Lex has. Then Chloe. Honestly, this is my thought process. This is what I came up with in season six. For Clark and Chloe to get together, Chloe would have to die. Yeah, and no one wanted that. And and then that would, and her death would what would push him into being Superman. If they went that route. That's what he thought all the way up until finale. That's what I thought was going to happen in season eight. If season eight was going to be it. Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought she was going to die at the end of season eight. Yeah. And then you said season nine. I was scared. And I then went you said for, finale. I went for like three years where I thought she was going to get killed off. Yeah. Well, I, I mean. Because I mean, she wasn't in the continuity. We're going off on a whole different tangent here, but that really like set it home, especially in season eight with Legion when Rock says, we've heard of Jimmy Olsen, Lana Lang, Lois Lane, but we've never heard of Chloe Sullivan. Right. right. And that's because she erased herself and Lazarus from the digital world. Which makes sense. Which but, is um, great for continuity purposes. I'm so glad they wrote that in there. I have to mention this for Rosenbaum in Justice. Yeah. I love his 
quippy, almost Gene Hackman-esque, the way he says his lines, like, when Bart Bart says, I want a lawyer, and I want a ponytail. Disappointment abounds. Well, Roosevelt always wanted to play less like that. And for a long time, they told him, way off, hold off. Because, you know, he has to be somewhat of a good guy. Yeah. You know, to, to pull off him and Clark being friends because of the friendship falling apart. But not anymore. But this one was like, okay, okay, Michael, do what you want. You know, you know Stephen tonight wrote it as, okay, you are the bad guy in this episode. Be the bad guy. Yeah. Because really, once again, Well, so do like the hero episodes leading up to it, like Ron, Arrow, yeah, Cyborg, yeah. Aqua. They all, they're all based off of Silver Age storylines, which actually happened in the Silver Age. But when those events came out, people were very excited about them. Yes. And I think it worked here on the show as well. Well, that's because it was live action, and you've never right. seen a lot of these characters live action before. Like Flash, no. Aquaman, no. Green Arrow, no. Cyborg, right. no. Stamping on the show and Spree and all that, yeah. Um, well, I think this episode got a lot of people to watch the show. Yeah, this people this episode did. What oh. were you saying, Will? Favorite episodes, guys. One thing I want to say real quick before we do that, because you did mention thirty-three point one. My my thing about the thirty-three point one, and again, I need to go back and watch the place. But to me, it felt like so much of that thirty-three point one stuff happened off screen. It felt like they somewhat dropped the ball with it and what went on with it. It was either kind of like they just didn't mention it anymore or they changed the name to the project. Right, exactly. But it worked with Davis's killings. I don't know. And it kind of worked here too, but I think it's because and we didn't mention this before everything was about zoner, zoner, zoners. Yep. Right. Well, it's, which it's, is why Clark didn't go with the League at the end of the episode, obviously. It, but it was like... Because he didn't want to go, really. Because I want Lana! I want Lana! Yeah, but at least he didn't have to say that. Thank goodness. It, but it really... It, did, it felt like... I guess that's the problem. It was so focused on zoners and things like that that you almost forgot that it dealt so much with 33.1. It's kind of weird how those two... These two stories kind of dovetail at the end of the season anyway. Right. Yeah, they collide. Well, to be honest, when I think of season six, I don't think of the Zoners plotline. I think more of the 33.1 plotline. Well, I, I guess... It's funny, but I don't think about the 33.1. I think more about the Zoners. Me so. too. 
That's funny. Me too. And and then I guess thirty three point one ended when you said the dam broke. Yeah. But they never said we destroyed thirty three point one. Well, in There's Justice and Doom, they go around. Right, but how many people read Justice and Doom? Okay, yeah. but it's still continuity. It's continuity. But this is one of the things that really bugs me about Miles and Ellie is they put all these important story points in online comic books instead of the actual series. Which I mean, we understand it's a marketing point itself. The car, they're trying to sell some Toyota something oh, or other. Oh, they never did that strike They've yeah. never done that window spoon. Right, exactly. So that's really what it was, is the big marketing ploy. There's an app for that. Yeah, to, to, for you to know what was going on in the story. Yeah. But, you know, thankfully, people, you know, Brian and Kelly came in and decided, you know what, we're going to try to do more stuff on screen. We're going to go with that. Because another thing I thought, they kind of dropped the ball on Smallville, thankfully, when Brian and Kelly came in, they cleaned it up, was Summerholt. Yep. You know, it was like, what happened to Summer Hall? It's the same deal. Because 33.1, it was there, and I'm like, how did it end? And I constantly have to either go back or look it up to remind myself what exactly happened to those plot threads. And I'm sorry, I forgot to mention this to you. It dovetails more than once. It dovetails again when we see my man Kane from WWE Titan. Yeah. Yep. Because that is 33.1 and kind of end zoners again, too. Yeah. And uh, combat. Yeah. That reminded me which the one Kane was on. Combat. 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 Yes. With the Fight Club. That Fight Club. That's what I was You don't about. talk about Fight Club. Because I get that one and the one with, uh, but is it Batista confused? Batista. Batista, yes. yes. That's in static. That's static. I always get those two confused. The one I hate because Clark's in like two scenes. Yes. True. Hey, but at least we get Martian Manhunter. Yes. Which I heard that spoiled it for you. Yeah. What? That was spoiled for me. You spoiled that for me. You showed me oh. the end of that episode without showing you the entire episode. Okay. I don't know. You sh- yeah, you showed me that, that before just me to do that, but you did. And You're you like that was before I went to film school and learned better. Yeah, I mean you better. No, because you said, Look, Michael, it's Martian Manhunter in live action. I was like, awesome. And I saw it, and then I was spoiled for the ending of that episode. Well, I was like, episode was all like crazy. Well, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying, I was kind of glad that it wasn't spoiled. And to, to, to the credit of 33.1, it is mentioned quite quite often, even in like season 10, in episode right. 1. True. Well, and that's why Brian and Kelly brought a lot of that stuff back to wrap it up, so there was a giant plot hole. Yeah. I have to mention also Lionel and um, Lex's scenes. I love the, I love that we got, once again, the banter between Lionel and Lex, because that kind of tapered off in season six. Yeah. Yes. They did. Uh, it was it was more apparent in seasons five and seven than it was in six, but that was because of the whole marriage thing. Yeah. Yeah, there was too much, like, Lex in love. Yay. Except not really, because I'm going to... Put a weird baby thing in you that isn't real. And, I, mean, yeah. I mean, you could just blackmail Lana. I mean, people in Hollywood do that all the time. Like, you really have to fake and put it in But he didn't have to do any of that. That's the sad part. Yeah, she loved him either way until he yeah. started doing weird stuff. And then she was like, eh, I kind of like Clark. The video camera. Yeah. Was... But we're done with the Lana plotline. I have to say with Clark. 
this I love the whole this whole ironic thing again with Lois's character. Lois is saying things to Oliver like, you know, you never stick around for the good stuff. You're always like running off when things get interesting. And it's always kinda interesting to me when she says that because in season nine she Yeah, well, I think in season nine it's different because she knows he's the blur. She's just not one hundred percent sure until salvation. And we yeah. have to mention that too. Like at this point, like Lois doesn't know it until she breaks up with Oliver in season seven, or when he comes back in season seven, who right. he actually is. And I and I think Dan brought up an interesting point when we watched the episode. He said that it was good for Clark and Lois to both date different people before they got together because they understood how the other kind of acted and how yeah. the other, like... It developed them yeah. to the point where they could have a relationship to get together. Yeah, they and they know each other. Basically. And they're around each other. Right. Not, maybe not as friends, but they know each other's relationship history to know right. each other's baggage, so to speak. And yeah. really, honestly, that's a natural relationship. That's a natural progression. Mm-hmm. You know, TV always has something, you know, ridiculous happen. For people to get together. You know, they kill a major character, get out of that depression, you know, the two characters get that. Clark and Lois is a very natural progression. True. And I think that's why they didn't do Chloe and Clark. That, yeah, you know, you have a point. It'd be too easy. Right, It'd exactly. Be too easy. It'd be too easy for Clark to say at the end of, like, season five, Chloe, kiss me, maybe something's there. You know, maybe we should try this up. She knows my secret. Schrodinger's cat. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's too too simple. And I think I I like the idea and I like the idea and I don't like the idea of what they did in season nine with Oliver and Lois. Yeah. Oliver's perspective, but really I'm glad Lois chose Clark. What, What exactly with the whole getting him out of the depression? Yeah. I, I never like, took that as a romance thing. I regretted that what he did in this episode in, like, Rabbit, I think it was. Mm-hmm. I just think she knew him really well and knew how to help him out. Yeah, and really everybody turned their, their back on him, so to speak. Yeah. As she thinks so, anyway. Yeah, not really, though, because of roulette, but absolutely. Um. Okay, so, Lou, you had mentioned earlier, what was everyone's favorite scene? I have to go to my two favorite shots. You still there, bud? Lex is interrogating Bart. I don't know if it was the director at the top. When he's in the cage, you can see Bart's reflection, but you can also see Lex in the shot. That's amazing. Yeah, yes. I thought that was an amazing shot. Favorite scene has definitely got to be um, when when um, Cyborg and Oliver descend on the plant and everybody does their whole, everybody got their jobs, so okay, let's do this. Yeah, that was really cool. That was definitely Favorite shot really cool. also is the walking away scene, but I think that was just too easy to mention. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's yeah, I think that's everyone's favorite shot of the episode. To be honest, but uh, favorite scene, Dan. I gotta say, I love that part where um, 
Green Arrow confronts Lex and shoots him in the cheek. Then grazes him. I love, I don't usually like the Oliver distorted voice thing, but when Lex says go to hell, Oliver says in the deep voice, you burst, I thought that was totally PA. Yeah, it, that was awesome. The other thing is you didn't really know he, what he's going to do there. Because yeah. in the last episode where they almost died, took each other out. Yeah. Which that's an awesome, another awesome scene from season six is when they do that. In rage. Right. But when they were there and we knew Clark wasn't coming to stop the altercation, it was just like, well, what's he going to do? And then you know, he doesn't kill Lex. He just kind of leaves a reminder. And I love Lex's face. He's like, are you kidding me? You just shot me. He doesn't believe it. Right. And and that and that showed Clark's influence on Oliver, that he made him almost less violent or set an example for him. Mm-hmm. Which eventually comes back later on in season ten. Correct. When it kinda reveals how much he looks up to Clark. Yeah. Well um we'll get to I wanted to mention some scenes, but we'll we'll get we'll get to your favorite scene, Ken. I actually have two favorite scenes. My first favorite scene is the scene between Bart and Lex when Bart has the, uh, or when he's been kidnapped by Lex after breaking into Luthacorp. I, I just love that scene. It's so like evil Lex. evil Lex, menacing Justice League animated series type scene. And I think, yeah, well, and, and one of the things I like about it the most is that it's a flash threatening the current flash, you know? It's Michael Rosenbaum as Lex Luthor yes. instead of the Flash yes. against the current live-action Flash. And, and don't get me started. That also reminds me of how disappointed I was with the Justice League Unlimited episode where Lex and Flash switched bodies. Yeah. Again, I really thought we were going to see Rosenbaum bring his Smallville character to uh, Justice League, and it didn't happen. So disappointed. For your next favorite scene, Penny? My next favorite scene is probably toward the end, right before they decide to uh, blow up the building. And I just love it because Oliver's on one whole... It's kind of like the Batman-Superman thing, like their views on justice. And he's like, we're going to blow this place up. No one's ever going to have to be in here ever again. It doesn't matter if people are in here or not. And Clark just makes sure. He's like, we can do this. I don't care. It's justice. It's deserved. But everyone needs to be out. I don't care if they were a villain or not. And I love the smirk on of Oliver's face when he said yes. Yeah. You can see that he smiles a little bit. I have to, I have to mention one storyline. First of all, um, I'm with, I'm with Teddy with the whole um, Bart Allen Lex scene. That scene was just amazingly well lit. I love how it's dark, but it's not, but you can still see light in it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like the dark versus the light, really. I also love that Clark doesn't know what's actually going on until like midway through the episode. Yeah. He thinks Bart's just stealing from Lex. We don't, which I think was kind of a stupid thing to write in the story because if you saw the promos, you already knew it was coming. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think the other thing was it, it was showing that Clark's brain is still at the farm. He's still at the farm. He's not thinking that big or that worldly about the situation. Well, right, because he's not Superman yet. He's right. Clark Kent. He doesn't, he doesn't realize that there is this big threat to the world, that what's going on between him and Lex is bigger than just what's going on in Smallville, mm-hmm. or him and Lana. And well, he, I think it takes 
Lana leaving for instead that honestly you take Lana leaving him to realize, you know, the life that I had when I was in my junior year of high school, it's not here anymore. Right. My mom's gone, my dad's gone, Lana's gone. And and, and, and this is a step forward in building up to that premiere. Because mm -hmm. Odyssey is kind of the culmination of everything that happened in this season. Yeah. You know, and that's my other gripe with the season six. I hate how weird like Clark is. He's like, he's strong, but emotionally just a fruit salad. Yeah. I well, mean, everyone left him. True. Well, I understand that, but you know, but it's, it just bothered me, you know? Well, yeah, and like I, I told Dan this earlier right before we had watched the episode, I said, well, season six really is more of a CW show than it is a Smallville WB Superman show. It's kind of that gap in between. It's kind of like that break, you know, like in terms of romance and character development, it's more of a CW show this year. Now, Dan, I don't, I know Kenny doesn't watch Buffy, but have you watched any episodes of Buffy? I've seen every episode of Buffy. Guy with Jocelyn and Aficionado. Isn't it kind of weird? Season six of Buffy, season six of Smallville, and season six of Supernatural all have one thing in common: this weird awkwardness of trying yes. to find your place in the world again. Well, yeah, the thing is, I think Buffy season four is more awkward than this, but I, I get what you're saying. But I mean, the, like when shows hit, like after they, like all shows really, after they hit their fifth season, yeah. usually their sixth season usually is about. Let's find our way, and let's find our meeting, and well, where are we going, what, what kind of show are we? Nico and I always call it the sixth season slump. I call it the sixth season syndrome. Yeah, well, the same thing. It's the same potential idea. Basically, a show. Got I got to film school, and I have a minor in television writing. Yeah, Basically, when, Okay. Basically, when you get a TV show, and I, I don't know if your professors have told you this or not, but... Basically, you try to shoot for five seasons. That's your goal because after you get through five seasons, that's over 100 episodes and you, you hit syndication. That's your goal with all TV shows to get syndication. So most shows write to that point and then they don't know what to do afterwards. Hey, hey, I, don't, I mean, I don't want to disrespect like film graduates right. because I, I am one. I have a interdisciplinary degree in film. But... If you've watched TV long enough, you know that. Right, exactly. I mean, that's that's the common thing of of what they were going for. So Alan Miles, and they have said in some interviews, wrote for season five, and then they said, we'll give you a season six. And they're like, uh, what do we do? We weren't ready for that. And so they scrambled. And Supernatural's the same way, you know. Kripke's story was only supposed to go five seasons. Three, I've mentioned about that Right, and, and it just it didn't go there. The other thing is with the CW, very few of their shows went over five seasons. The WBs did. Well, because Buffy, Buffy went five on the WB, and then they were canceled, and the W and the C, uh, UPN picked them up. And Angel only went five seasons. Which was BS to me. But yes, I agree with you. But that's kind of, you know, they were thinking, well, if those shows didn't match last much longer, and those were really good shows. I mean, it's Joss Whedon. If they weren't going to last, then what chance do we have? Well, to relate this back 
small bones. Uh, and I was going to mention this. You're right about that. Because Alan Miles and really, like, Alan Miles, like, the only reason they wrote, um, like, and commences the way they did was because they knew they probably were gonna have more seasons, but they didn't want more seasons. Yeah, yeah, there is some probably truth to that. I mean, we and, don't know that for sure. And really, season seven, if it wasn't for the writer's strike, was gonna be the last season. Yeah, but the then I strike saved the show ironically enough. Yeah, and I think when those other, you know, writers came in, I don't know if they knew that they were gonna get more seasons. But they decided maybe we need a direction now. Maybe we need to try to shoot for something. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know if Alan Miles' heart wasn't in the show anymore or what it was, but it just seemed like they cared again when season eight started. Well, honestly, and I'm not, and I'm not, before I say this, I don't want to like drag Miles and Alan's names in the mud, even though I've done that several times on the show. Yes, you have. A lot of people yes. have. It's well founded, I would say. It's well founded in some But we weren't expecting this show to be the hit it was. No. And well, that's why they had that four, that four season story in mind because they honestly thought, because genre shows on the WB are like ketchup packs at McDonald's. You see one every like two, two years on that network. Mm-hmm. Still do on yeah. the CW. Right. But it's a prey they I mentioned. Even though that was kind of a cool show. Yeah. But to to get to get back to to get back to justice though, this was one of this was one of the many examples that I mentioned in the season overview of season six where they don't have anything for that on tools, so they just stick her in the one scene. Yeah. Which That's was fine. Funny scene. Funny scene. Yeah, right. it was fine for this episode, for but overall for the season, it was kind of not. Yeah, so like, you couldn't like not have a net there, so we have a little bit more budget for the episode. Yeah, yeah. You could well, well, you didn't she, have Lana. Already, she leaves so. at the end of the season, right? Yeah, season six, she leaves. Okay. So and, and again, I I when she said she was leaving at the end of the season, I went, I kind of expected that coming. Because of that problem. Yeah. Well, because she wasn't, let's be honest, she wasn't as strong of a character without Jonathan until she came back in season nine. And they did a beautiful job with her. It's the opposite of what they did with Glover in season seven, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Glover actually had a story and you didn't really see Lionel dying at that point. You saw Lionel die. Yeah. I think that was a poor conclusion from the first episode. Oh, yeah. You didn't know when. Yep. Uh, yeah, you knew that was going to happen. The thing with Lionel, I think a lot of his story and what ultimately happened to Lux in the end was hurt by the writer's strike. Yes. I think they had, they wanted to do those things. I just don't think they went about, they got to go about it the way they necessarily wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, well, again, again about, again about justice, I wanted to talk a little bit about Oliver's character too. Yes. Oliver, and I, and I love this little, like, jabbing Clark and all all this stuff about the 33.1 thing, but it ultimately kind of shows how Oliver 
wasn't the right choice as the leader, which we do find out again in season nine that mm-hmm. Clark was meant for this and Oliver wasn't. Because Oliver's really angry when talking as the leader. Clark, yeah. when he's the yeah. leader, he's very sure of himself. Yeah, well, Clark is, of course, Superman. He's supposed to inspire people. Green Arrow is more of a recruiter than someone who someone's like, okay, I'll follow you. But it's he's more, also I'll get you to follow me. He's also the character that calls out the other heroes when they're not doing something right or they need to kick in the pants. True. Yeah, and Clark needed to kick in the pants. For a leader, though, is what I'm saying. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. But again, he was the one who had the resources at the time to do it. And he knew someone should, you know, and originally he might have thought it was himself. But I think throughout the course of this and what happens in season eight, he realizes, okay, maybe I shouldn't be the guy in charge. I don't think he really realized that, though, until Jimmy dies. But again, he also didn't know that there was a leader out there at the time. Well, it didn't help that he killed Lex Luthor. No. Right. Right, that's true, too. I want to mention, too. Isn't it kind of ironic for all you guys looking back at the show now that it's done? This is the one and only time all four of these guys are in scenes together. Yep. Like all yeah. these characters in scenes. Yep. We see them on video stuff. screens. A couple of them come back and interact, but never this core group. Well, yeah, I mean, you see Bart back one more time. You see Aquaman back two... Yeah, yeah Bart two, came back two more times. Two times. No, Bart comes back in Doomsday, and that's it. Okay. And then Cyborg comes back in Salvation, but only on a computer screen. Yes. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, and I and I and I think that's okay because again, the show it's is okay. not. It's just ironic to me. Yeah, I mean, but again, yeah. though, the show is more about Superman, and it's supposed to be about a boy becoming Superman than it is about the Justice League becoming the Justice League. So I understand why they did or didn't do that. But again, he needed to see the Justice League to see that potential. Yes. He needed somewhat of an example set for him mm-hmm. on what to do. Yes. And then for him to realize, okay, now that you've seen this, oh man, me, I can be the leader of this. But he, yeah, and even the Justice League just- member... Right, and even like right. the Justice League members that you see in this episode, I mean, they're not even the heroes they're supposed to be yet. I mean, as you see in Patriot, right. I mean, Aquaman, his story didn't really finish to becoming Aquaman up until then when he had Mira. Well, it helps me out how like well, right, but I mean, you know what I'm saying? He wasn't officially yeah. like a superhero until he had that mentality. And he kind of pushed Clark to becoming that hero, too, right. when he was back in season 10. Well, and I think the other thing with Oliver, the reason why he became the leader was there was no one else to do it at the time. Yeah. Because Clark was obviously not in a position to be that person. Right. And I, I have to rep this, and I have to represent this just because it kind of bothered me rewatching this episode. But wouldn't it be better to have at least one female Justice League member or future Justice League member in this episode? You had Chloe. Well, yeah, but, yeah. but you know what I mean? Well, it's it nice that's to have, like, a Satana in here. Well, I think there was a rights issue was one thing. I was going to mention that, too. I think the other thing is they probably maybe thought he would take away from Chloe. And maybe the Watchtower thing was already an idea there. Then yeah, I wanted to set that up. I was thought out of the box for that. Yes, I said it. I said it. Yeah. So, that that's true, too. I don't know. I mean, I guess it just depends on how you look at her. Really. I know Wonder Woman is extremely hard to get the rights to to use her and stuff. 
it's still hard now. Yeah, exactly. Which is dumb. Which is dumb. <laughs> which is why Wonder Girl's not on Young Justice and there's some other thing. Yeah, but Wonder Woman is on Young Justice. Yeah, see, but there's... Only as, like, a guest star. Yeah, you rarely see her. True. You don't see her as much as the other characters. True. Well, and I... And Penny and I mentioned this during our Jeff Johns um, podcast, and I wanted to mention it here, because, again, I have a bucket list just for this episode that I wanted to cover. Once in months, guys. Once in months. Don't mention it. Yeah, okay, that's fine. just as it is. I mean, I'm sure we all would have loved a longer Justice League episode yeah, for different reasons. I mean, I w- if I had the choice, I'd do two hours, obviously. But I think it worked fine as a standalone 45-minute episode. And I need to ask this question. Did, did Absolute Justice need to be two hours? Because the first hour was really just setting up the characters. Um, I think it did. Yeah, I think you needed time to give us a substantial fight scene. Yeah, but, but it really wasn't yeah. a substantial fight scene, though. But, but, okay, you had, you, to make it two hours, you also had to top justice to get the effects of action. Yes. And so at that time, they had to make it two hours to have time to top justice. Yes. Because if it didn't top justice, it wouldn't have worked. It would have been a colossal fight. the top legion the year before. Right, exactly. In had, my... You had to top those episodes. Yeah, in my opinion... Society and Legends as separate episodes don't top justice. Even together, I'd say they're equal to. I, I, know, don't, I agree. I totally agree. I think I justice would is... much rather have seen um, Society and Legends as a two-parter, which they were going to do, rather than just one big two-hour movie. I agree. Because right. I think it's kind of congested as a two-hour movie. Yes. Yeah, well, I mean... It's a lot to take in. It's a lot to take in. Whereas this two hours, I don't think it would have been. No. And I think I think the character interaction is much stronger in this than we saw in Absolute Justice. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I refer to Absolute Justice as a PSA. Listen, kids, this is what you're doing wrong in terms, but this is what we did. Let's try to do, have some middle ground. But then the thing I like about it is in Legends, when Martian Manhunter ends up having to be the one to save the day, so to speak, is that there the, I am the yeah, is that is that the JSA realizes, hey, maybe we don't have all the answers, maybe the future really is in the right hands. Right. Yes. I think that's that was the point of the episode, to be honest. Right. Was passing the torch. Just like with Legion, it was to show you how the torch was passed from Super Beta Generation to the Legions. And to also show Clark that the destiny you've been hearing about, this is part of it. Yeah, this is part what this is what you inspire. The good in everyone. Yeah, absolutely. We need to mention the code names. Yes. yes. Impulse didn't get to pick his own code name because he would have been the Flash. Boy Scout? Because he's Barry Allen. Boy Scout, obviously, yeah. reference to Superman. Yeah. Green That's Arrow. That's not the night on the shoe episode that he couldn't save Flash. He wanted to. And plus, Bart Allen is impulse to, for the purists out there. It's right. not Bart Allen. Well, and one thing, I just want to take a quick step back. I want to talk about how the interactions were better. The stuff between Green Arrow and Hawkman. Oh, my God. And Absolute Justice was very, very well done. So if you kind of, like, put that 
into this episode, that would have been awesome. Like that's that's where the two hours would have been beneficial. Which which we kind of got with you know Oliver Cyborg and right. you see fish jokes. Well, I got fish jokes. Great. Yeah. I think the extended time would have given us more of that stuff, which would have been fun to see. Which is not bad. Right. Um, for continuity's sake for the series, because I know we have a few people listening, the, the warehouse and the um, rich facility, that is the same as the one that we saw in the episode that we covered. Fear, Teddy? Was it fear? Correct. Yeah. No, scare. Scared. Thank you. That's the... Is that the silver kryptonite one? That is the same warehouse. That's the one where uh, there's the pure gas leaking out of the roof. Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, it's also the same facility that blows up in Doomsday when Clark throws Doomsday into the ground. Oh, yes. Yes. They they reuse it. I swear, that and the bridge. I know. The most reused footage ever. The monorail bridge has been seen in everything. Yeah. Not even, even not in the even comics. Supernatural, and I think it's also in Chuck. Yeah, I think you see it once or twice in Chuck too. <laughs> in Chuck. Yeah. I think they even used it on Battlestar Galactica one time. Well, any Warner Brothers show, they'll just be used. Any, no, anything that's filmed in Vancouver uses that. Yeah. I, mean, I, I, I have to say though, and we didn't we didn't mention this like Penny and I didn't. We didn't mention Oliver Queen as a one season long character arc because he wasn't in the opening credits. That's why I, why I forgot about him. But I think this yeah. is the best one season long arc. Even though he does come back, this was the best season long arc of a character, I think. One of the best. Top two. What would your other arc be, Zod? My other arc would be um, Davis, really. Ooh. I would say Chloe's storyline in that. Yeah, but it's like and an Chloe art. Chloe is the best part of season. For a guest star, though. For like a guest oh, star. yh guest star. Or, or a see yeah. Well, Zod is pretty good. Yeah, Zod. Zod was good, but I could see Zod coming. I, I knew that was coming to Zod. Davis, I had no idea what we were going to get to do. But you just thought you were going to get a charismatic paramedic? Yeah, well, <laughs> I thought Davis was going to either get swallowed up by Doomsday or, like, like die by the hands of like Oliver, I did not see him kill, killing off Jimmy at the end. No, I don't no, think I anyone did. saw that. That that that's why I say Davis because Davis starts out as, as a, a normal like you know guy, you know, smiley guy. Well, not really smiley. I mean, well, yeah. with smiley as you can get with a sandwich work. When Lois possessed by Fiora stabs him, that he survives. Did not see that coming. Yeah. My my brother and I were just like, holy crap. What the heck is this? And I was depressed after Doomsday, to be honest with you. I was depressed. I think everyone was because of Jimmy's death. And Clark's turning his back on Chloe. Oh my god, that ripped my my heart out. But going back to Oliver Queen, you see him in Arrow, which I I find funny that the, the new show is called Arrow. Well, the first episode yeah. we see him in is Sneeze. Oh, yeah, you're right, you're right. Borneo, right. yes. Achoo, yeah. And what, and what a way to debut a character, by the way. No kidding. With that arrow shot on the Daily Planet, I mean, that was yeah. one scene. awesome. You only saw him in the one scene, and that was it. Yeah. 
they built him up very well in in um, season six. Yeah. The first half. And I, I thought he got a great send off. I thought it was BS that they didn't do a Green Arrow spin off when they brought in Dinah, but I already mentioned that on the Yeah. They you know, have, it, it's unfortunate that they couldn't bring him back for the finale. Who? Oliver. Oh, for the season six finale? I, I think that there should have been something more, more in the second half. At least for Wes Keenan. With him. Yeah. Because, you know, he. The thing of it was, and it might have helped some of the problems we were talking about with 33.1, and the, those plot lines kind of dovetailing, would be if Oliver came back mm-hmm. to help fight West or something like that. Or Oliver and, like, Cyborg. Right, exactly. Just to say, they're still out there doing the things. I think it would have capped that, and it would have made us realize a little bit more that they're running around out there instead of just forgetting it. Or just only seeing it in Justice and Doom. And to me, and to me, you guys may disagree. We've been talking about this like a lot, but I have this feeling that thirty-three point one was not Clark's story. It was the Justice League story. It was Oliver's story. True. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that because it's all around the globe. It's not local, and Smallville is obviously supposed to be more of a local story, unless it's the Zoner plotline, because that was Clark's fault. And and again, this might be my brother. Was it Clark's fault? Yes, it was. This might okay, be. Okay, I'm gonna go off on a tangent here, but I think one of the reasons why they couldn't get Harley because he was on retainer for the WB for other series like Mercy Me, Aquaman, Aquaman. Or, no, that, no was that was before. That's what got him the gig on Small. No, he was on retainer. He yeah. was on retainer for like a lot of other things, so that, that's probably why they couldn't have him on for budgetary reasons. Because well, again, the budget was short. Well, I don't think they thought that they were going to even get him back for season eight like they did. Yeah. And then Rosenbaum left, and they're like, oh, we should do something. We need a billionaire playboy. Yes. Um, we, we talked to Rosenbaum. I have to, I have to mention the one awkward scene with Lois trying to put on her teddy. Oh, yeah. I, when I was watching that, I'm like, Okay, yeah, she's obviously going to get Oliver's full attention. There's, like, nothing there. Clark wanted to see her on it. Clark X-rayed her. Yeah. I, actually, I, I have to admit, that is really weird. You don't walk into somebody's apartment like that. Clark does. Well, Clark walks into everybody's place like no that. No one knocks on shows. True. You just barge in. I just love the ironicness of these three characters. Actually, four characters. Especially when it comes to things like... Um, the one episode with the silver banshee later. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so they all walk again on each other. That was hilarious. Well, you know, it's like it's like Clark forgot in this episode where he was. You know, he's thinking he was at the Luther Mansion, barging through those double doors, and then he walked in. He goes, "Wait, this isn't the Luther Mansion. This is Chloe's place." Well, and the thing about Clark in this episode is he's very Superman-ish. He's very heroic-ish. He's very uptight. He's very like. Strong Superman, Tim Daly, George Newbern, whatever. Well, That's a lot like what he's like. And they wanted us to see his potential this episode. Yeah. Plus, they knew people that don't normally watch Smaller were going to tune in. Yeah. So they were trying to give them a point to like, dive into the show. Absolutely. That is a very Superman thing to do, to just, to just you know, disregard things and just barge in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's very mm-hmm. That's That's very... Uh, Golden Age Superman, actually. Yes. Yeah. Um, 
I just love the look on Melissa's face because you notice she pretends like she's weirded out, but she's also like, yeah, Clark, you want to see more? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she was. That's one of the best things Smallville built up, and we'll talk about Melissa and Clark in like a future episode just because I wanted to like cover their relationship. Mm-hmm. Because that's the thing. They hate each other, but they don't hate each other. But they're attracted to each other, but they don't know what it is. And it takes them <laughs> pretty much seven years of both being on the show to figure everything out. Yeah. Well, six years. But that, well, that's because they both had some awkward social issues. Lois? No. Well, yeah. She, she, uh, I would say... That was, that was sarcasm. Well, yeah, okay. That was definitely sarcasm. Okay. Yes. See, I mean, I'm in a debate mode. So that, like, just went right over my head. Yeah, don't worry about it. It was sarcasm. You're good. Okay, I'm good. We're good. But yeah. I love the JL International thing with Artemis Global Consortium, which also I love oh, the Artemis was reference. reference. Was that a reference? I wanted to ask you that. Yes, JL International. Uh, there was a team in the comics called the Justice League International, which um, was the Justice League team uh, that was funded by Maxwell Lord. And, and Batman. Yeah, it was a really weird comic. I have the first issue of it at home. But it was... Yeah, they rebooted the franchise for Justice League International on the New 52. It's pretty good. It's Yeah, I haven't read past what issue three. Yeah, it is. It is really good. Definitely Detective Comics cool. is good. Justice League is good. Um, What else did I Aquaman, say? Aquaman. Aquaman is very good. And well, Batman Beyond that, Unlimited is good, too. Just a second, because we've talked about the 52 a lot. I mean, when you and I have talked on and off camera about this, Penny, you can't screw up Detective Comics. No, well, you, you can't. Can. Screw up Batman. You, you can't. Well, yeah. Well, well, well. No, I'm going to If you do do it, you're an idiot. Woo. Woo. Well, have you read. Must Batman? I remind you of Batman Rip? Batman and Son? Batman the Resurrection of Rachel Ghoul? Must I remember? That plot line, not that bad. But that's more compared to like how many good ones. Okay, but it's that, Grant Morrison's yeah, entire right. run over the past six or seven years. I enjoyed years. it. I enjoyed it. I well, like Batman. Oh. Okay. Well. See, I, I'm a I'm a Batman versus the Joker kind of guy. Myself. Well, yeah, and we're if animated gonna series. Kill people. Batman. He's gonna be the Joker. He's gonna have the ultimate plan. Not this William Hurt guy I've ever heard of. Okay, let's get back to JLI. You were saying, sorry to take that sidebar. <laughs> he knew, wow, he knew he was going to lose that argument. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you have two Batman animated series fans over here trying to argue Batman hey, with you. I'm, You're going to lose. I'm the biggest Batman animated series fan anybody could know. I'm not saying that. I just said for like a short run story, I like Batman because I knew how it was going to turn Have out. you read The Return of Bruce Wayne? No, I read it was kind of mad. That was the most convoluted Batman story of all time. I do like Dick as Batman. That was interesting. Well, that's that because Grant Morrison didn't write it. That was right. a nice change of pace. I like that. And Morrison didn't write it. I knew that wasn't going to stay. Because I knew it wasn't going to stick for very long. That's why. Although Paul Dini's run on Action Comics was good. Or Detective Comics was really good. Yes. Paul Dini? Yes, that was a Please very good run. That's why he said you can't have Resurrection of Yeah, but he didn't write that. Morrison yeah, yeah, he did. wrote parts of it. Morrison he did write parts of it. Most of it was written by Morrison. 
yeah, My yeah. favorite thing Paul Dini ever wrote was Fix His Pitalics if you on Superman the Animated Yes. <laughs> That's a hilarious episode. That is a good episode. <laughs> yes. Which, you yeah, do get a mention pretty. to Mixil Pitalic in Justice and Doom. Yes, we, we're going to mention that too. Yes, you finally get to hear where he's been for three seasons, two seasons. And we, as Smallville fans, we always kind of assumed that's where he ended up. Yeah. Well, because they go to level three at the end of that episode. I thought it was level four. No, I'm just kidding. No, no, actually, no. It is level 33.1. It is at the Luther Corp building. So it is 33.1. two seasons to figure that out. But it's true, so. Something weird should have happened at 33.1. To transform him into Gilbert Godfrey. No, God. They hate a fight. That's who did with their. That's true. That'd have been really funny, actually. I have to. I have to say, I wish the doctor in this episode, Doctor Casilli, was the was the doctor who eventually died in um, Phantom, just for continuity purposes. No, wasn't it promised? No, that was Lana's doctor. This doctor was like yeah. One doctor. Oh, you're thinking about the okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah I agree. This guy was the same guy who died in Phantom. Isn't this when Doctor Grohl was around too? Yes, that he yeah. was Lana's doctor. Yeah. Right, who did who came back? Yeah. In, Which, in Phoenix. What a way to resurrect a character. it power? Power, yeah. Yeah. Power and um the Maxima episode, and then and then one episode in season six. Instinct. Was the one with Maxima? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we basically covered like the whole gamut of the episode. Do you want me? Do you want to go into like um the Justice and Doom stuff, or is there anything else you want to cover? Well, like the I, I was kind of disappointed that I mean I'm glad we really got to see like Cyborg beat up the two guys. I'm glad we got to see Green Arrow beat up guys. I'm glad we got to see Impulse run or Flash run around as much as he did. I was a little disappointed with just seeing Aquaman swim and then not take out all the goons in that room because I wanted to see how he took them all out. Yeah, my favorite effect shot is Cyborg or the famous Jet Jackson. Yes. There you go, 90s fans. Um, Ryan right, just takes out the security guards. Yes. He doesn't even try. Boom. 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 You know, Here comes the boom. Ready or not. I hate that song. I, well, yeah. see, I so, like... The first time I heard that song, it was a Smallville music video, so I kind of liked it. You, I you, hated that episode, too. Do you know what song I was singing was? The T-Titan cyborg theme that he sings in Titan Z's? When there's trouble, you know what to do. The cyborg, he can shoot a rocket from his shoe. Because he's cyborg. That would yeah. be a great callback if he was humming that song. Yes. But real quick, before, this was before that episode came out, actually. That's, oh yeah, that's true. But yeah, before we go into Justice and Doom, I does anyone else besides me think that Jeff Johns had a poll of bringing Cyborg in on this episode? Because this was really the start of Cyborg becoming a Justice League member yeah. throughout the comics and the DC universe this is in the general. Beginning of Jeff Johns' run at DC too, his epic run. Yeah, during 2006, yeah. Infinite Crisis started. He begins. So he was around good. before that. Well, he was around before that, but he didn't do as much. He Infinite did Crisis Green Lantern, awesome. and that was it. This really bothers you, doesn't it? It really... Oh, you have no idea. What, Cyborg? Being? Yes. I like Cyborg, though. I like Cyborg as I a like Teen Titan. Titan. 
I like Cyborg on Smallville because it worked. I do not like it in the New 52 because it does not. Well, I mean, every, every like, major comic book writer has, like, you know, affinity or, like, you know, like, special feelings or uh, favoritism. That's the word I was looking okay, for. Okay, but you don't mess with the original seven. You don't replace Martian Manhunter with Cyborg out of all well, characters. Well, hello, I mean, there's been rules like that in every person from Marvel and DC that's taken over. has broken that rule several times. Okay, but you know what? No one ever replaces the original members Wait a of minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. the Avengers. But when they... But they add people in. They add people, but you don't replace them like you did in the New 52 with Cyborg replacing Martian Manhunter. I understand that, but, but... What was the team after the Crisis on Infinite Earths? What was the first Crisis Justice League? Was it the original seven? Yes. Really? Yes. I'm curious about that one. Yes, it was. It was the original seven. Read Justice League of America Zero. Okay, you got to understand, there's a lot more... There's a, there's a lot of factors, like... Marketing people that come in and stuff like that. Let's say you and, have to do certain things. And also, there's this thing of like who can we use? Because one of the things that Marvel had before they were bought by Disney, anyway, um, DC has the answer to Warner Brothers. Yeah, but right. I mean, you had Martian Manhunter on Justice League Unlimited and Smallville, and on like everything before this. That's where not, I, I don't know. And it's convoluted, like, the reasonings of why they can do this or why they can do that. I understand your, your, your problems with it. I just, my original point was, there's always, like, these holy rules that us, I guess, as comic book fans say, well, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't make Spider-Man play, blah, 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 blah. you can't change this character this way, and they... And every new person that's come into the the CEO role of creative at both companies, mind you, has broken that rule several times. Joe Cosada. Yeah. yeah. Joe Cosada is, I think, yeah. the most like blame I've ever seen because that's another issue. Well, my my main point is, Cyborg, or Jeff Johns' infatuation with Cyborg, is going to be his downfall. But we don't know if that's his, his infatuation. Yes, we that do. Could be He's Cyborg. No, he loves Cyborg. So he likes Cyborg. But, but, but let's face it. He like, grew up with Cyborg. I grew up with Martian Manhunter. Let's, let's admit it, though. With the tail end of the Silver Age to the Bronze Age, like Green Arrow and Green Lantern were getting top billing, and Batman and Superman was like like almost tossed to the side during that era. Well, so no, and Teen Titans were huge. He pushed out favoritism. Teen Titans were huge at the time. Well, I'm not saying favoritism and your writing is wrong. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying there's some rules in comics that you should apply. Before before Crisis on Infinite Earths, one of the best-selling books was uh, the New Teen Titans. Oh, and I and I don't knock it at all. I'm just saying. And that's when he was reading comics. Well, yeah, but I'm just saying, Cyborg's a Teen Titan. He's a Titan. He's not a leaguer. At least not an original. But, but that doesn't really work anymore because half of those characters that was a part of his team like don't exist in the continuity. Like Wally's not there too, anymore. And I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. 
words in your mouth, Penny, but the reason you're thinking this is out of your love as a a traditionalist, or I don't want to say purist, because that, I, I went on a rant on the last episode, for those of you Yes, who, you did. Yeah, I, I don't want to go through that again, and I stand by it, thank you very much. But I think it's, we're getting to a point in DC's history that a lot of us, quote-unquote, I'm using my quote fingers, old-timers, are st- sticking close to that, um, um, the post-crisis on the Infinite Earths DC, and we're moving towards something different, and we just don't like it. Because it's not as good. But we don't even know if it's going to stay this way, because the way Justice League 6 ended, the, still, the continuity for post-crisis still is out there. Yeah, I think this is like Bronze Age part, like version 2, in yeah. terms of like, it's kind like, of fun. It's like Marvel's you know? Heroes Were Born, is what it's like. Well, it's like Bronze Age, like, circa volume two. Like, we're trying to find our footing here. Well, the thing is, like, have, have any of you read Stormwatch, that new series? Is it Martian Manhunter on Stormwatch? Yes. Do you know how they portray him as now? He's like this brooding, dark, angry, mean character now. Which we kind of got a little bit in that one episode when the magician got into his head on Justice League Unlimited. Or Justice League. Well, well, yeah. True. But he has, like, no ties to humanity anymore. He's just this mindless alien, really, is what they've made him out to be now, and I don't like that at all. Yeah. Well, when you work for DC Comics, you can fix it. I will. Yeah. I mean, honestly, we're going to be bitter old man about some things. At least we still have Smallville Season 11. It makes me sad, though, that another generation has to become bitter old man. Because, you know, back when I was a kid, like, there were people that grew up on pre-crisis. And, you know, this one person I know in particular, you know, was kind of bitter about that. They kind of bitter about some decisions that, you know, Marvel made to mix things up. And, and, and I'm just like, I remember... Back, but it's like, when, back in 1985, they released New Coke and got rid of the old Coke. Right. But it, for, for me, it was like, you know, I was like, I'm never going to get that way. I'm never going to be that negative. You know, and I, and I guess I was naive in thinking that they're not going to change the continuity again. Well, you've read and the new did. Superman. We know how we feel about that. The yeah, current yeah. Superman comics. I mean, but and I, I think... The, the problem with the Superman comics is... Well, yeah, and it's almost... Smallville has kind of become continuity. Yeah. And I doubt Grant Morrison has watched Smallville. Which is really rare. That a TV show becomes continuity in itself in the comics. I don't think that's ever happened. Before. Well, kind of, kind of a little bit with Spider-Man. Like Rhino and Scorpion were characters from the animated series that were brought into the comic books. Yeah. So, but again, that was the '60s. Yeah, but it, but it never was called Fox's Spider-Man or something like that. No, and and, and I was more talking about the old '60s cartoon with Spider-Man. Yeah, you know, how they got in there. True. But, uh, yeah, it's Smallville, I, I think it's continuity. I don't know why DC, with the new 52, didn't just change things to line up with that universe because so many people watch it, that it was so popular. You know, it was the perfect way to set up the new 52. Okay, I'm going to go on a little bit of a soapbox, right? not a long one, but I hate, and I'll say it one more time, maybe you'll slow me down in post-production, hate. 
how they how Marvel and DC like to pick and choose continuity. And this is canon, but this is not. Well, we can't use this. This was in a novel that no one liked. This is canon. Oh, but I like this. Nobody else liked it, but I will. That's kind of what they did with the New Fifty Two, to be honest. Yeah. Because and the Batman. Oh no, because the Aquaman universe, the Batman universe, and the Green Lantern universe did not change at all during the reboot. But Green things Arrow did. Green Arrow did. Did you say Green Arrow? I no. said Green Lantern. Green Lantern, okay. Green Arrow did, Superman did, the Justice League obviously did, Wonder Woman did, and Flash definitely did. And if you've seen the the story of DC Comics, you've seen how swimmingly that went with changing Wonder Woman in the seventies. Thank you, Jenny. Well, it actually kind of works this time, but my point yeah, is actually kind of work. My, my point is, if you're going to reboot something, reboot it completely. If you're not, then don't. Well, I mean, start from scratch. Don't go from somebody else's recipe and then go off of that. Which is why Jeff Johns has been kind of getting the government she's got thrown at him for like bringing some of the Donner elements into Superman. Which I don't well, think is those bad. are gone now. Though. Yeah, those are gone. We have no more Donner elements in any comics except for Smallville season eleven, which isn't even out yet. Yeah, but you guys, you guys understand my soapbox point, though, right? Yeah. Yes. I just hate. I hate that because I, I'm a write, I, I'm a writer, as you both right. know. And here's the thing: my thinking as a writer, if you're gonna change something in continuity for something that's already been established. You can change it, but make sure you change it because it's gonna make a good story, not just not because you like it. Yeah. Make it because it works. That's well, and even with the new Fifty Two, they've kind of given themselves a back door to reverse it if they want. Yeah. They're backpedaling that's almost. That's lame to me. I, I agree. I think if you're gonna do it, go for it. Do it if you think you need it. And Don't be like, oh. Supernatural with the way that the the show was going to end. You, Petty, you said, I can go back to season five if I don't like the, the series finale. That's a cop-out to me. But it's question. true. You know what I'm saying. I know what you're saying, but you're saying it as a fan. But as a writer, if you say, oh, if they don't like it, go back to seasons five, season five. And, no. Yeah, as a writer, that's wrong. That's a, as a fan, okay. Yeah. That's why I don't like it, just because I'm a writer and a fan, and as a writer, I wouldn't do that because that insults my fans' intelligence, which is what they're kind of doing with the new 52 and something. Yeah, and going off what you uh, said a little earlier, and I forgot exactly what it was, but it, it had something to do with if you're going to reboot it, make it work. And to be honest, after reading it, the cyborg plotline in Justice League works. I mean, it works for that story. Well, and he fitted and he fitted into it well by connecting him to the whole dark side. Yes, absolutely. Which and and that's Jeff why Johnson, which is Jeff Johnson's thing. Right. Exactly. Which, which is why it works. Yeah, which is why it works. But what I'm saying is I, I just don't like it. Like as a right. fan. And I'm sure you guys both agree with me or disagree with me in certain aspects of that statement. But but, but yeah, real quick. we have to put an asterisk here for everybody. Our words are not Bible. No. If you guys are enjoying it, enjoy it. We're just going to nitpick it because we've read through several different versions of this. Well, yeah, and you we've know, grown up with it. But there's yes, that too. It, in his defense, 
I would just John's fan. I'll openly admit that. As am I. He he I is my favorite writer at DC Comics. Absolutely. I enjoy everything he does. I'm highly entertained by it. I might not necessarily agree with everything he does, but it's quality material. Absolutely. And we can tell he cares for these characters. Mm -hmm. And and I think he's doing this because he cares, but he's doing a lot of stuff. And and it must it might be too much for people. And it no, might be too much for him, too. He's trying to put all his ingredients into one stew or several right. stews. And it's just, and some of it's working and some of it's not. Well like, what I've done, well, like what I've said, like his Green Lantern run and his Flash run have been excellent. Yeah. His current Green Lantern run, it's not as good, but it's still pretty good. Yeah. And his just and his Aquaman and Justice League runs, all I have are praise for those. And I think he's really passionate about what he does. Yes. And he's trying to put his all into it. Yes. But he might be putting too much into it. And I, I think, think he should just focus on Green Lantern and Flesh. Those are the ones he loves the most. Put more time right. into that. Like, divvy out with assignments to new writers. Well, have you run, have you read his Aquaman run? No, I'm not. I've that, heard good things about it. You I should. Just like how he's drawn. I love how Aquaman is drawn. Yeah. You should read his Aquaman run because it's fantastic. But, but, yeah. The other thing is, I kind I personally kind of worry about the guy. Like yeah. He's doing a lot of stuff. Yeah, and he was also promoted too. He's gonna crash. Yeah. Spread a little too thin. Yes. Yeah, I do. And quite honestly, I've seen him recently. Poor guy looks like he's gonna break down and cry just from exhaustion. Really? Because yeah. I I met Jeff Johns, let's see, about four or five years ago, and he was not like that at all. Yeah. He was doing a lot less stuff. That was right off of Infinite Crisis. Yeah. I mean, he, he was, was only doing Green Lantern. Lantern. Yeah. And he was a pretty happy, positive guy. And he was, no, he was on Superman too, wasn't he? Wasn't he on Action Comics with Donna? Yeah, but he wasn't doing, he wasn't killing himself at that time. Right. Uh, you know, he, he was in good spirits. But now, from what you're saying, Lou, it sounds like that's a. Well, I'm, I'm not saying he's like a, have, not a happy go lucky guy, but no. you see that when he's kind of stressed. To that level yeah. where you need, like, you're so tired, you're so spread, you think that. You look like you're about to cry. Well, he's writing five books, one and two. He just got promoted to chief executive, like officer or something like right, that. Right, and he's signing off on stuff for all the movies, the TV shows. Yeah, DC yeah, Nation think, was his I idea. Should, you know, I think which he is what? Like, yeah. Go back a little bit. Yeah. Just, well, which is why I think Green Lantern didn't do as well as a movie, because I think personally that maybe he just signed off on it. Yes. Because he wanted to. He wanted to see it done. And he didn't get as involved in it because he was so swamped. And I hate to say that, but I have a feeling it's true. And I admire him going on set and Absolutely. Like flying down to all these sets. But if you don't need to, don't. don't. Yeah. yeah. Well, and Stan Lee was in this role years ago. You know, he was the big executive of Marvel. And it just got so much more. He said, I'm not doing this. I'm a writer. Mm -hmm. I'm supposed to do creativity. I'm not here to sign off on all this stuff. And hopefully, like, Jim Lee will get a more prominent role and, you know, Frank Hugh Miller will get to do more stuff. Than yeah. when... Well, ask these guys for help. You know, if they work together as a writing team, but maybe they should work together as a team to run the place. Yeah, I agree. And, not to, and I, I apologize if we're going on a brand for a lot of you guys that are confused. But my, We'll say we'll say this and then we'll go to Justice and Doom. Quickly. Um, 
the problem with a lot of companies, not just entertainment companies, but a lot of companies, they've split off into too many different divisions and departments. And when it gets to that point where everything's scattered like this, Marvel, you can do that in Marvel just because Marvel has done that since its infancy and people are used to it. But DC is getting a lot more scrambled. And no, I'm not talking about angst. I'm talking about just stories and how everything's going. I would just say we're we're stopping this and we can have less divisions and let's have more writing meetings like back in the day. Right. Well, I mean, it's. Well, that's why John Burns went, went so well because there were so many. There was just one big writing. Yeah, and I think that's where like TV shows like Smallville or Green Lantern and the animated series or Young Justice come in handy because they get together as a writing team and decide, look, this is what we're gonna do. This is what this is how it's gonna play out, and that's what they did with Death of Superman as well. And I think that's what helped, and I think that's what they need to go back to doing again. I, I think that's what Supernatural's done well because they've actually they had their season six syndrome. Let's get back together as a team and let's see what we're going to do for like the next two, maybe three years. Yeah. Right. And, and I think with that, there are certain writers involved Supernatural that realize it's time to ask for help. Yeah. You know, this isn't going to work out. So there was that in there too. So Justice and Doom, gentlemen. Yes. Yeah. Let's let's talk about this real briefly. Um, Justice and Doom is basically a spinoff of the episode Justice in comic book form, which was originally on the CW website as a uh, comic, and I think there was a game that went along with it. Right? I, I never saw it. Did any of you guys? Dan did. I, I played did. the game. Yes. It's just basically you're unlocking. The nuclear, the mini nuke that they find okay. to try and stop Wes. And you unlock it, and through finding that out, you figure out who the secret member of the Justice League is. So it's Contra just for the JLA. Nice. Yes, and it's, uh, it's, of course, it is Martian Manhunter. Who you see like a 3D graphic image of. of yes. Which you can find online, guys. If you type in uh, Smallville Justice and Doom ending, you can find the 3D Martian Manhunter ending. Which is actually really cool. You basically read the comic and then it sets up the game and you figure out what it is. And I believe it's Phil Morris's voice too. Yes, it is. And it's it looks like him and then he shapeshifts well, into his Martian. Well, during the game, form. you hear his voice. Yeah. So you, it's kind of obvious that it's Martian. Yeah. yeah. So um yeah basically the Justice League goes around the world with uh, Watchtowers their guide again and yeah. they start destroying all the 33.1 facilities. And this is happening throughout Season 6 up until the episode uh, Prototype, which is close to the fina right. finale. I think it's the penultimate episode of the season. Yes, and Chloe actually does mention like the mini-nuke they used to take like one of the 33.1 monsters down in the episode. Yeah, which is the super soldier that you see them fight in one of the issues. Yep. And if you have the Season 6 DVD... It is on disc two. Yeah, I think you can watch it's it. It's also that on the Blu-ray for those of you who bought the Blu-ray. Okay. And probably the complete series set as well, because I know they all have the same uh, special features as well, all no. the individual well, yeah, seasons. Yeah, I mean, all they did for, for the complete series is take all the discs from all the separate series and just put them into one and give you the like giant featurette disc at the end. That's all they did. Yeah, and the Daily Planet paper and stuff like that. But that's not hard to do production-wise. 
Still, it's cool. And Craig is slacking because I still don't have it. But yeah. So um, yeah, that's basically it for Justice and Doom, really. I mean, yeah. It, um, visually, it's stimulating. It well in our visually, discussion. I have to say they drew Eric and Durant very well. They drew all the characters really well, I think. But, but Durant, they got mostly as Eric and Durant. Well, we'll see how it looks when we get the. Season 11 comics when those come out. Yeah, which is next month. Yeah. And be ready because the three of us will be covering it yes, on retro reviews every week. So Yes, we will. Yes. Well, Can you guys, come back with me, Wooly? I have to say, Dan, this was fun being with you. It's fun, yeah, to, man. fun to team up to pick up Penny. Yes, well, it's fun talking. I think we need to have some more comic book discussions here. Yeah. Because that was, that was pretty cool, even though we got actually, actually, way you off. Actually, you know what? I know we're saying this, like, I haven't discussed it with Penny. I would like to do the a topic that I came up with. We're going to talk about the de-evolution of Lex Luthor. What steps specifically the Smallville took to have him like become the monster he becomes? Yeah, we can we can do that. I actually have a. I actually think I know which episode we should do that on too. Um, but yeah, so that's basically our justice episode, guys. Uh. Yeah. Next week we're gonna have Elisa five Leon. Five. And thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah. yeah. No five problem. Out of five, definitely, for sure. Oh, five out of five. No, no. Uh, yeah. No question. Sad. My favorite episode too of the show. So. Stephen and I wrote a lot of episodes, but I think this this was his best work. I think the only thing he did as a director too. Yes. Yeah. Correct. Um. Yeah. So ne- next week we'll be uh, having hopefully Elisa <laughs> Lee on our show. Yes, and the week yeah. after, hopefully another guest star, and his name is Josh Winchester. That is his real name. I was called by Penny. Yes, that, that that is his real name. It's very cool. When there's trouble, you know what to do. Call Cyborg. He can shoot a rocket from his shoe. Cause he's Cyborg. Doodle doodle, something like that. Oh yeah. Na 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 na, big fluffy cat. That's right. Hey everyone, I'm just doing this little short section real quick before we end our episode to tell you all that I have officially changed my opinion on Cyborg being a part of the Justice League of America. Now I endorse it because I reread the Justice League comic and I looked over some of the arguments made in this episode and I decided that having Cyborg as a member of the Justice League is still a really good call. And I, I think if anyone was to replace Martian Manhunter, he's probably one of the best choices. Especially if you're going to do a reboot and reboot everything, including his history with the Teen Titans. So that was a good call on Jeff Johns' part. However, still do not like the direction they took with Martian Manhunter. I think that story sucks in Stormwatch. And I hope to see the Martian Manhunter we all grow to know and love in Justice League at some point. So Jeff Johns, here's to you hoping... That side or that Martian Manhunter to be part of Justice League. So thanks. Before we go, we have a few ways of you for you to contact us. We have our email address, which is across the airwaves at gmail.com. That is across the airwaves at gmail.com. We also have a Facebook and Google Plus page, along with our website, www.acrossairwaves.com. Hold on, since we have Dane here, I have to ask this question. 
across airwaves on the Twitter and not across the airwaves? <laughs> because it's it's too long. Uh, oh, the Twitter okay. username is like, I think it's like 12 letters or something like that. Because across the airwaves is too long. Twitter. Darn you, Twitter, yeah. So that's the there's, the, there's the There's the assertive index finger, Twitter. Right, exactly. So yeah, that's our Twitter at Across Airwaves, just Across Airwaves, no the because it's too long. And uh, my personal Twitter is at mjpetty7. That is mjpetty7. And Woo's is wsk. That is wsk9002. And if you want to follow Petty or I, please mention Across the Airwaves in your follow follow request. Yeah, absolutely. And, and if you want to talk to me, just send it to Across Airwaves. Yeah, yeah, or the email or anything like that. We also right. have an Android app, and we have a uh, voicemail, actually, which we would actually like you to send to us before them. Yeah. So. Well, you tell us if you call though, mention that your retro reviews, so I can get the file to Michael. Yeah. So you can put it in his show. The uh the number is one seven seven three eight zero nine three three six three. That is one seven seven three eight zero nine three three six three. And we've been promoting that for the last two shows that we've done because I kept forgetting about it. Anyway, so for the final member of the Across Areas Brain Trust, Nico Reifstek, I'm your host, Michael J. Petty. Who is Cam here, ladies and gentlemen? And I'm Dan Schmidt, host of Across the Airways. And until next time, we will catch, catch you on the airways. airways. Bye, guys. See you, everybody. Thanks for joining us. See you guys.